I was fixing to suck on it. I about choked myself. (laughs) (laughs) Judges, chapter 7. Wait a minute, you say? Oh. Judges, chapter 20, I mean chapter 7. That's on page 227 in my Bible. I'm reading from the New New King James Version tonight. story that we're all very familiar with and actually God has given me a very different point that he wants me to get across to us tonight. We're going to read the seventh chapter about this great victory through the uh, 300 valiant men of Gideon and then we're going to go back to chapter 6. And we're going to see how we got there and how all of that happened. So let's read chapter 7 verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, Mine own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Verse 4, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, This one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart to himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Let all the people, other people go, every man to his own place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent. And retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Let me pause for just a second. Put yourself in the place of Gideon. And I want you hearing the commands... that he's speaking to him and insert your name there will you so that you get a better understanding of what's going on here so he he told him he said arise go down against the camp for I have delivered it into your hand verse 10 but if you are afraid to go down go down to the camp with Pura your servant and you shall hear what they say and afterward your hands shall be strengthened 
Afterwards, your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number, as the sand of the sea. One of the commentaries I read said it was believed to be that it was roughly 450 to 1. Verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Pay special attention. Verse 13. And when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I have had a dream. To my surprise... A loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Median. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell over and turned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and he said, There is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand God has delivered Median and the whole camp. So it was. That when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and he said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hands. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with, every, with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch. And when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. Just as they had posted the watch, they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers they held in their torches in their hands, left hands, and blew the trumpets with their right hands. And they said, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried and out and fled. When the 300 men blew the trumpets and the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia. I'm going to stop right there, but if you'd go on and read the rest of that chapter in chapter 8, you'll see where Israel rallied and they pursued the Midianites and the Amalekites and they defeated them and captured a couple of the princes of their armies and beheaded them and brought the heads to Gideon. And this no doubt is an incredible story and you can preach from it many different things. You can talk about the courage of the 10,000 that remained after the 22,000 left. You can talk about those that knelt down and brought water to their mouth, how alert they were under pressure. You can talk about how when Gideon gave the order that do as I do, when you see me blow the trumpet, when you see me break the pitcher, you do it. And so here were a group of men that we're willing to take orders and that's the way we've got to be. We've got to be courageous and we've got to be alert under pressure and we've got to be willing to take orders so that we can see the victory. But 
What I want to talk to you about tonight is simply one word, confirmation. It's absolutely important and imperative that if we truly believe that the steps of the righteous man are ordered of God, that we embrace, expect, and accept our life to be directed by God and in so doing, to wait for confirmation. Because the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word of God be established. I feel like the Lord has dropped this in my heart tonight because some of you here, possibly many of you here, are on the brink of making some important decisions. Maybe it's in regard to whether to serve God or not. Maybe it's whether to invest money or not, whether it's to buy, to sell, to start a business, to go into the ministry, whatever it is that God would be speaking, but you're in the valley of decision. And you don't need to make those decisions in and of your own abilities and your own might because if you're a child of God, don't you want the will of God in your life? And in so doing, if you want the will of God in your life, then you need to hear his voice speak. You need to know what his will for you is. And without exception, when he speaks to you, there will always be confirmation. I was discussing with Duke and Skeeter today how, as I study the people of the Old Testament and even in the early church and the New Testament, how when God would come and he would speak to people about doing a particular task, it normally wasn't received real well. They began to make excuses like Moses. You know, he called Moses to lead the people out. And he said, look, I, I have a speech impediment. I, use somebody else. You know, we, we look at Jonah. He told him, arise, go to that's great city Nineveh and preach unto it the word that I'll give you. He bought a ticket and went to Tarshish. Most people don't eagerly jump at what God says for you to do. Why? One, we're not sure it was him. Two, we see that it's bigger than my ability to do. When God speaks to you, it will be bigger than your ability to do to keep you dependent upon him, to keep you walking in faith, to keep you seeking him, to keep you having a hearing ear to hear what the Lord will say. Somebody should have said amen. So, I notice that in present day society, the church, which is the people, we oftentimes get bruised and broken and bloody noses because we jump at the whim of everything that we think is God or that someone else told us it's God. Only to find ourselves with a door slamming in our face and getting that broke nose, bloody lip. Only to find out the way that something looked right sounded right even the people were saying this has to be right has to be God it wasn't God how many of you remember Paul being taken to stand before Caesar the king 
And they're in this, over there at Crete. And he warns them. He said, you better not loose from Crete. There's a bad storm coming. We better hunker down right here where we are. But the owner of the ship, the captain of the ship, were determined to set sail. They took a vote. The majority of the crew voted, let's go. So, Scripture says, and when a soft wind blew, supposing they had obtained their purpose, they set sail. Didn't listen to the man of God. Didn't receive the warning of God. Didn't heed it. Therefore, they found themselves in a storm. Ultimately shipwrecked. And on an island. My friend, not everything that looks a certain way, seems a certain way. Not just, and just because everybody else is doing it, doesn't mean that's what God wants you to do. Each of us are accountable and responsible for ourselves to God. And one day, each of us will stand before him and we'll give an account for our lives. Don't you think it's important that we need to hear what his thoughts are concerning our life? Don't you think it's relevant for us to learn as his sheep to hear his voice and to not follow another voice, but to follow his voice? Almost sounds too simple to be true, doesn't it? So backing up to chapter 6, and this won't take long. In chapter 6, I'm just going to get... I've done something I ain't never done. Lord, give me this early today. And that made me go, he's going to change just sure as the world. But I got t uh, Kim to type up my points. Make me feel like a big shot. <laughs> but I did that so that I don't have to read the whole sixth chapter. I want to give you a synopsis of the sixth chapter because I want you to see what went on with Gideon. I want you to observe what's, what he's doing in chapter 6. When this all starts, and I want you to see where he winds up in chapter 7. In chapter 6, it begins with Israel had done great evil in the sight of the Lord, and hence they had become subservient to the Midianites, and they were oppressed by the Midianites. And the Midianites would come in, and they would pillage their crops as about the time harvest would come off they'd come in take their crops they would steal their cattle and their sheep and their oxen and they would as a result Israel was hunkered down in the dens and the caves in the mountains hiding out trying to just get by trying to just survive kind of sounds like life present day chapter, I mean, verse 2 through 4, we see them hiding in those caves. Verse 6, Israel cries out to God for help. Gideon, in verse 11, is threshing wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. He's in hiding, threshing the wheat, because he's worried that the Midianites are going to come steal it. So he's in hiding. 
In verse 12, the Lord speaks to Gideon. And he calls him. The Lord, he calls him, O thou mighty man of valor. Wait a minute. Doesn't hardly seem appropriate, does it? This man's in hiding. Living fearful. Just trying to get by. That's not the way God sees him. That's not the way God sees you. That's not the way God sees me. He sees him as a mighty man of valor in verse 12. Now verse 6, I mean verse 13. After he tells Gideon that, I want to read this. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, man, I can just hear it. Oh my Lord. If the Lord is with us now why has all this happened to us kind of sounds like us whining and complaining don't it if you're really with us we've been told that you are where are all the miracles which our fathers have told us about they told us how God brought them out of slavery and out of bondage in Egypt and how he brought them across the wilderness and how he supplied and how he miraculous brought them to a promised land. So if he's with us, why is all this happening to us? I felt that way before. Verse 14. The Lord said to Median, to Gideon, You shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Verse 16. I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites hold on as one man. Over there in chapter 7 did we not read that their camels were as the grains of the sands of the sea by the seashore. Their army was innumerable and God's telling him over here in chapter 6 when you get there and when you see what you see keep in mind you're going to defeat them like it's just one man we began singing tonight about how great is our God we began to sing tonight of his might and his power and his majesty let me remind you tonight that he's not grown old, weak, feeble, and senile. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what needs to be done in our lives, our marriages, our homes, our churches, our nation, he's still able to do. And we have to remind ourselves of that. In Samuel, it says for us to encourage ourselves in the Lord. When you're going through those battles, when you see the obstacles against you that seem insurmountable, when you seem overwhelmed with what you see, remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. Remember that there's no enemy that stands before us that shall stand against whom we fight. Remember that greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Remember that his anointing upon us causes us to be able to do things that we in and of ourselves cannot do Amen. we have to remind ourselves of that so you're going to defeat them as though they were just one man the odds will have flipped instead of it being 450 to 1 in the Midianites favor if you read this verse and connect the dots it's 300 to 1 in Gideon's favor Amen. 
Verse 17. All that. And then Gideon, like us, he says, Show me a sign that it is you who talks to me. So Gideon presents a young goat and some unleavened bread. He sets them on a rock. The Lord causes fire to come out of the rock and consume the goat and the bread. That gets your attention. Then he says, he sends him down in verse 27. Remember Israel had backslidden and they had greatly grieved the heart of God and they had turned to Baal worship in some cases. And in verse 27 you see where Gideon goes down and he tears down the altar of Baal and he destroys the wooden idol that was set beside it. And then in verse 33 to 35 he gathers his army. Verse 36 through 40. Again, he asks for a sign if he's going to save Israel. So he has the fleece with wool. Wool is the soft part. He says, I'm going to put this wool out here and tomorrow morning if, there's, if it's wet and nothing around it is wet, I'll know that you're with Israel. So the next morning he comes and the Bible says that he squeezed out a cup of water. Should have been enough. But it wasn't. He says, just one more time, Lord. I'm going to lay this fleece out here again. Now tomorrow morning, I want you to let this wool be dry and everything around wet. Next morning, that's exactly what he found now after all of that I want to jump back over here to chapter 7 verse 10 after that dialogue and after those demonstrations of God's power and after hearing the voice of the Lord and God confirming again and again and again that you've heard me now we're in chapter 7 verse 10 and I close with but if you're afraid to go down go down to the camp with Pura your servant and you shall hear what they say. I found it quite interesting that when he goes down there and hears what they have to say he believes. <laughs> but when he was hearing God he didn't. Kind of sounds like regular people don't it you shall hear what they say and afterwards your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp so he went down with Fura his servant that tells me he was afraid to the outpost of the army uh, armed men of the camp when Gideon had come there was a man telling the dream that he'd had and of course I read it earlier where it's interpreted for him and said basically this can only mean that God has given us to the hands of Gideon to the Lord when they broke those pitchers the cross becomes our sword the cross becomes our protection the cross makes the difference 
The cross is what separates the men from the boys. Anybody can go with the crowd, but it takes a man to stand in the face of adversity. Most want to flow with the popularity. And I want to challenge you today. I want to encourage you today. It's with the sword of the Lord. Sword of the Lord. How many of you remember when little David went out to meet the giant? I love it. He told that giant, he says, You come to me with spear and a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. That name that's above every name. That name where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. It may be in heaven. It may be after we get there before somebody realizes what a fool I was and falls to their knees. But it'll be too late. I want to encourage you tonight that if you're in the valley of decision, whether to buy or to sell or whatever the case is, don't you make a move until you know that you've heard God and you'll know by waiting on confirmation. Now I'm going to throw this little PS on the end of it and we're going to close. Waiting on confirmation doesn't mean, Nate, I believe God's telling me such and such. What do you think? Because what he says may be his opinion. It may be God. Now I'm more confused than I was in the beginning. Or I'm in error and I take off on what he says and it's not God and I wind up with that bloody nose. But if I'll sit on, keep to myself, wait, confirmation will come. Maybe real soon. It may take a while. I'm not a person that seeks out a word from God through someone by way of a word of prophecy. I'd rather hear God for myself. But let me say this. When I was ordained as a minister, there was a prophetic word spoken over me. And to be quite honest with you, it was somebody that I thought was dead wrong and the prophecy was this know this my son I have called you and the field that I've called you to you'll see much fruit you'll see a great harvest but know this the closest of your friends, yea, even your family members, shall criticize you for the work that I've called you to. That was the end of the prophecy. My mind immediately went, <laughs> maybe some of my friends, but he don't know my family. My family never criticized me for doing something God's told me to do. 
about seven years later, God launched me off into a cowboy ministry. Up until that point, I was itinerating, traveling across the country, Alaska, where Skeeter was. His dad was up there, worship leader in the church. His brother and I went up there and did a revival. And revivals in Ohio, we were seeing Amish people giving their lives to Jesus, being excommunicated, kicked out of their communities all their possessions and belongings on their buggies and wagons at church the next night along with their families. It was costing them something. But we were seeing God move for seven years. Then the Lord began to open the doors in the cowboy world. I never dreamed there was as many doors possible to open to share the gospel with cowboys whom I love. And in the beginning it was... 10 or 15 here, 10 or 15 there. But over time, it's gotten to where it's not uncommon to have five or 600 people in the church service at rodeos and team ropings across the country. In fact, I leave in the morning for Las Vegas. I get to go to Sin City and share the gospel at the National Finals Rodeo. So be praying for me. But what I'm trying to tell you is simply this. You think you've heard God? You wait. Confirmation will come. Each and every time you do that, and it'll get to a place that you recognize His voice, and you won't be confused because God's not the author of confusion. He wants you hearing Him clearly.